Hey, good morning, everybody. John Millen here with Millen Group, the Benefit Hackers podcast. It's been a while since my last episode. Um, and a uh, couple reasons for that. One was more of a, a personal reason. Uh, my, my dad actually passed away in early May, and it kind of threw me off kilter, to be honest. Um, and so my mom had already passed two years prior to that, so I've been a little out of sorts so uh, I just felt like doing this podcast today because I had a conversation this week with a, a mid-sized employer, 150 life case, and they are going out for RFP for their broker, a new broker. And I thought I'd lay out, in my opinion, what are the things that I would suggest you look at when you're doing an RFP for a broker? Because um, there's lots of ways to do this, and I have been in the employee benefits industry in some form or shape for 20 years. So I have myself read tons of RFP proposals, what are they asking for, and I have responded to tons of them. And I've watched the process, you know, from both angles, so to speak. And I, I have some advice for, for those of you that are going through this process to that I think will help. Um, my first caveat is, if you're only doing an RFP, to satisfy someone's requirement to appear like you are unbiased, then you can turn this off, right? Um, a lot of times I find when you do an RFP, there's there's someone you're, you're thinking about. Either it's the incumbent and someone says, hey, we have to bid this stuff out, so you got to send this huge package out and waste a bunch of time, not on your end, not only on your end, but at everyone else's end, when you have no interest in really changing. But you got to just say, hey, we looked at the market and we're going to stay where we are. Because 80% of the time, there's no change. So if you're going to do it, do it for the right reason. That would be my advice. Don't waste all of our time if, if really you're just trying to give data points to someone else that says, see, we're going to stay where we are. Because you kind of know it. You don't need a bunch of documentation to, to make that decision. Um, and the other also goes for if like you have someone that you really, really feel good about but yet, but you still do an RFP to make it appear like oh we're really vetting the market don't don't do that either just make the decision um, you don't have to do an RFP to, to you know to make yourself have a good decision if it makes you feel good or if it's just politics save us some time give us a heads up like hey John I'm sending you an RFP but I want to be truthful um, there's really a political motive and then I'll decide whether I want to respond or not. If I do, I won't waste a ton of time because there's a lot of resources and you got to be con you, you got to be aware of that because if you burn out people with RFPs, they're not going to, they're not going to take you serious, especially if you do it every single year, or every two years. So that's my caveat. All right. So let me get into it. First thing is that I would say, are you looking for a broker or an advisor with this process? What is your goal? Is the goal of the RFP process to come out and find a better broker or a, be or a better advisor? And they are different. They sound the same and they, words are thrown around. I'm a consultant. I'm an agent. I'm a broker. I'm an advisor. I'm a this. I'm a that. But fundamentally, a broker is used for more transactions they're going to be a more transactional relationship where, hey, we don't think we're seeing all the options in the marketplace. We want you to go show us all the options and, and we're going to help boil it down. And we want you to do all the grunt work and we want you to manage that process. That to me is more of a broker relationship. They are brokering the services from the insurance companies and providing you options. 
An advisor is someone that you say, hey, I need you to help me over the next three to five years or one to five years and guide us in the right direction to one, bend the healthcare cost increases and two, enhance our coverage and three, optimize our benefits and four, communicate them appropriately five and look for technology solutions and six, make sure that we're in compliance in seven and eight and nine. That is an advisor. In my opinion, they sound very similar, but they are not because what you might do in one year that a broker suggests, a, an advisor might say, no, that's not a good idea. If your goal in five years is to get here, that is not a good idea. And so they are very different fundamentally. So that's my first suggestion. Two, understand who you're hiring. When you do an RFP, are you looking for a, a firm, an entity, an agency, or are you looking for an individual person with the skill set? Because there are lots of big agencies that you could go to, right? There's 10 of them right now that you could send this big package to, and you're looking to the agency. Look, we've got 3,000 agents, and we've been around for 100 years, and we have 8 million um, ex- years of experience from all of our people. That's the agency you're hiring. That's fine if that's what you want. If you want like that peace of mind, if you want the resources that they're going to bring, whatever those might be, if you want certain things that they do that no one else does because of their size, that's fine. But if you're looking for strategic thinking and new ideas and strategies, then you're looking for a particular person first, not the big firm. And I'm just speaking from experience. You know, my firm, I don't have a thousand agents but the strategic ideas and thinking that I bring to the table are very different than what I've seen in the marketplace. So we would be not only an entity that can handle the things from an agency perspective, but also we bring the strategic ideas, the, the, new, the new strategies. And, and, and an individual, when you're looking for an individual, you've got to get proof of concept from them, not the big firm. So let's say you're a school district and you're going out for RFP and you go to a big firm. Oh, we've got 500 school districts in the nation. Well, good for you. Who, who in your office, your local office that may have been a different company a year ago before they were purchased and they put a new sign on the front, it's still the same people. Who in that office is going to be my go-to person for ideas and strategies and who's going to be my person for account management specifically the people now vet those people not how many school districts you've had as an ent- as an entity but how many of you personally have had and tell me some stories and case studies on that you're interviewing the person more than the firm that's my second point my last point is compensation many different ways that Consultants, brokers, advisors, we all get paid. And the one way that we all get paid is a percentage of premium, a commission based on percent of premium. So, for instance, on healthcare, it might be 3%, 5%, 7% of your annual premium. That's a commission that's paid. It might be a per employee, per month fee, a flat fee, maybe a combination. There's all different types of ways. My suggestion is that you're real upfront about what the compensation structure is and 
make sure you ask for full disclosure. Look, it, this, this has been around for a while if you have 100, if you're eligible to do a 5,500, but it, that's not the same. You know, those are very confusing. Most people can't read them. Most people don't summarize them. You, you know, you'd have to really dig in. So compensation disclosure is just being upfront about where are you getting your revenue from. And I'll give you just a simple example. The big insurance houses get bonuses when they sell above certain thresholds for certain companies, period. Now, I'm not going to name names of companies or carriers, but whether it's a health provider, medical provider, an ancillary provider, um, a worksite provider, they all, when you reach, let's say, a million dollars of in-force or 10 million or 100 million, there are bonuses paid, and that can sway some decision-making. I've seen it. And it also throws in compensation that you never you never see from a 5500 standpoint. So understand where is the compensation coming from. Number two, consider in that same section, consider a consulting arrangement where, and I brought this up on a call this week, where you strip out all commissions. You do all products net of commissions, meaning whatever commission is built in from the carrier, if they can, they bring it to zero. Take out all the commissions and I'll drop your price. Not, not, not every product can you do that, but most you can. Medical, dental, vision, ancillary, you can all do that. Worksite products, uh, voluntary worksite, not so much, but your big ones, you can. And then you pay someone a monthly retainer to manage the block with certain objectives. Look, we're going to pay you seven grand a month for 12 months. We're going to pay you a contract worth $84,000. Tell me what you're going to do for that $84,000. Lay out a compensation disclosure form of what I'm going to receive for $84,000. And let's just pretend that that is the same number as being paid a percentage of premium or a per employee, a PEPM fee. Let's just assume it's the same exact dollar number. The, The last point I'll say is make sure you say lay out what I'm getting for that money. And just don't be surprised if you're going to get all kinds of pushback on that. Because our industry, generally speaking, not everybody, but our industry generally is not used to working like that. They're not used to working in full transparency. Um, we are because I'm like, look, I'm getting paid 70 grand in a year. What are we doing for them to to provide that the service? Like, what what are the what are the key milestones and things that we do? And we list that out. What does that cost? How many man hours does it take us? Is it valuable? In some cases, half of our commission is is drilled right back into the company in terms of value added services, manpower, um, enrollments, technology, compliance, all these things. So, I hope this is valuable. I know it's um, there's lots to consider. But I hope these these couple points will help you. And if you ever need any assistance, we operate on all of those models. We can operate as a consultant. We can op- on a one time fee. We can operate as an ongoing consultant. We get paid on a on a premium basis. We also get paid on a PEPM basis. Right? We get paid all those different ways. But at the end of the day, if anyone ever says, "Hey, I want you to back up what we get for that money," I'm like, "No problem. I have this." nice form that lays out everything for you for your case you don't even have to wait for the 5500 and you may not even qualify for 5500 and i could give it to you as well because we know the value we provide and we have to back it up with hard facts so hope this is helpful check us out millingroup.com have a great day